Welcome to Ride Over Stride, episode 40. Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I am here today with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hey, Van, how you doing? Hey, Laura, I'm great. Hope you're doing well. I am. Can you stand it? Episode 40. I'm excited, man. I tell you, somebody was asking me one time how many episodes we'd recorded yet, and I was I was shouting out, we're almost to 40. And uh, and then I look at other folks, and I'm thinking, man, these guys have been doing it a long time. They've got episodes 100 plus and all these things. And another one I was reading uh, the other day or, or watching, I was reading the the stu- their, their write-up about it or whatever, and, and they were like at 300 and something. I said, man, I didn't even know podcasts existed 300 weeks ago. So I'm excited to be at 40, Laura. How many How many have you got done now on uh, Productive Woman? I think I'm like 125 or 126, something like that. But Did you celebrate at that 100 mark? I did. I did. There you go. Good but, you know, you. We, we can celebrate 40. This is a big deal. I don't know how many <laughs> horse podcasts have made it to episode 40. I don't either, I'm, I'm, but I'm excited. I tell you, I'm, I'm excited. And I'm really excited, too. The, the, uh, we're, we're starting to get a lot of feedback from folks, and that really excites us. And for those who do listen and, and get the, you know, we always invite them at the end of the podcast to send in their questions. Please continue to do so. Sometimes we'll address those on the podcast, but other times, Laura, what I'm doing, I'm, I'm addressing those via email, or we're also doing it via like audio recording. So it almost comes across as if I'm talking to them. So we really want to encourage folks to keep in touch with us. Cool. Yeah, definitely. It, it helps. You know, the, the more episodes you do, the more you, you kind of want some feedback and ideas about what people want to hear and to make sure that, you know, we're not just wasting everybody's time. So <laughs> right. with that in mind, what are we talking about today, Van? Well, I'm going to throw a big question out there to you, Laura. It's a fairly long question, but I'm going to ask you, so what does forgiveness, gratitude, trust, courage, and faith have to do with horsemanship? Well... I'm guessing you're going to tell us. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? Well, actually, you know, let's say I'm going to break this down. You know, it is a fairly long question. You know, what is forgiveness, gratitude, trust, courage, faith? What do all those things have to do with horsemanship? You know, you hear those a lot in our common conversations, but, you know, a lot of folks don't really tie that in with horses. So many times I'll get a very specific question. Well, Van, why does my horse do this? And why does my horse do that? Or they'll ask the other one. How do I get my horse to do this? And how do I get my horse to do that? And Laura, you've been working with me long enough to know that I very rarely just give a very direct answer. Most of the time, my answers come across as, well, it depends. And quite frankly, I learned that from one of the, I think, one of the greatest horsemen in the industry. And, uh, and, and basically in that, he always said to me, Van, the only, the reason I never answer your questions directly is because the only absolute is that there aren't, or that there are no absolutes. And I think that is so true. And then oftentimes I'll tie in things, you know, I say it all the time, you know, forgive your horse for that. You know, horses are very forgiving. So what does forgiveness have to do with horses and what does it have to do with horsemanship? Well, first of all, and, and again, I look at the, I look at my target audience. And when you look at the, the folks within the horse industry, did you know that you women make up about almost 90% of the horse industry? Really? And yes. I mean, when you think the females make up almost 90% 
of the horse industry. And then you look at my clientele, that age group is usually somewhere between, oh, uh, 18 to the early 60s and some are even beyond that. But I know that sounds like a wide range. But then if you get more specific, the folks who go to clinics and the folks who send, who seem to have the most questions about their horses are usually the women that are in their professional years. And when I say that, I'm going to say probably late 20s, early 30s, up to, you know, their early 60s. And again, that sounds like a wide range of folks. But when you consider the size of the horse industry, it's not really as big as what some people think it is. So that's really a good significant number of, of people. Well, because of that, we have to consider where they are in their lifestyle, where they are in their in their life's journey. And so many times they're kind of, in, like in your case, getting back into horses. You know, it, it, you had mentioned to me a little long ago that you were always wanted horses when you were younger and you rode some and everything else. And you said, boy, one of these days when I get the time, the money and the resources uh, in the place, I'm going to get some horses and I'm going to go, I'm going to have that wind blow in my hair. Well, that is so true today. And that is so typical of of a huge number of women that are in the horse industry. They get back into it after they kind of get through raising their kids. And some are doing it while they're raising their kids, letting the kids enjoy the journey with them. But inevitably, they'll have some sort of story in their background. They'll have a bad horse experience or they'll have, you know, a bad dad experience or whatever the case may be. But they'll have something in their background that they tend to hold on to. And when they hold on to that, so many times that memory, especially if it's a bad one, they'll tend to let that restrict them from just letting go and having fun. So a great lesson to all of us is forgive it. And I'm not necessarily saying forget it because I don't want to tell people forgive and forget, but forgive it. Because if you forgive it, you allow yourself that opportunity to see things from a different perspective. You allow yourself to uh, enjoy what's ahead because you're not so concerned about what happened yesterday. And even that, I know it sounds really easy, but when we learn to learn to let go of the old stuff, and like on previous episodes, we've talked about how you know how you do that. Sometimes you just focus on the things that you can do, no matter how simple or how silly they may seem to you. Focus on those things that you can do, and as a result, you'll get pretty darn successful at doing those simple, easy tasks. And then you'll get braver about about expanding that envelope, so to speak. But in order to do that, you just got to let go of what happened some other time. You just got to let it go and move forward. And as a result of that, it'll, you'll kind of change the way you think about where you are right now. So are you talking about, oh, a situation maybe where somebody took a bad fall or they had, you know, the horse that they rode as a kid maybe was not a great horse and was was hard to deal with and they never felt very competent about it or, I mean, those sorts of things? Absolutely. And those are very typical. Those are very typical things. Well, nothing really went wrong, man, but my horse got excited and bucked me off. And now I'm just afraid. And you know, Laura, the reality is that is so normal. I mean, pain hurts. <laughs> Let's face it. I mean, those things, you know, when it hurts and especially as we get older, it seems not just to hurt more, but it seems to hurt longer. And it's hard for us to sometimes to just let go of that. And I know it is hard. And I don't want to tell anybody just, just, you know, forget it and just go on. And I don't want to tell anybody just tough it out. But you know, sometimes if we really want something bad enough, we've got to put up with a little discomfort from time to time. And, and sometimes it is discomfort may not necessarily be the the physical side, but it's just that discomfort of really having to bite your lip and push through something that you're a little bit worried, a little bit afraid to do. But you have to ask yourself, is the reward worth it? And honestly, we don't know. We don't know until we try. But if it's if it's on your mind enough that it's something you really want to do, then I'm going to encourage people to forgive that situation, forgive what happened, forgive your horse, forgive yourself if you made a mistake, forgive that, 
and then move forward. And as a result of that, it'll kind of lead me into the second one. When I say forgive it, and I when I follow that up and say don't forget it, because see, that's where the lessons come from. And where when we when we remember the experiences, both good and bad, then that opens us up for the opportunity to learn so much. But what I want to do is, is I want to say thank you when something like that happens. You know, if I have a bad experience, I want to say, you know, rather than thinking of it as bad, I want to kind of look at it and it's like, well, thank goodness I learned that when I did, because it's going to help me out in the future. So really, it's just doing nothing more than just taking a different perspective of it. Rather than gloating on it and wallowing in it or doing whatever, we're just going to say, you know, thanks for the experience and then move forward. Because see, when we when we accept it and we change that perspective and we're, we're grateful for that experience, then that arms us to look forward to other experiences. It doesn't make us afraid of what may happen. It gets us to where we're looking forward to what may happen. So when I think of forgiveness and then I think of gratitude, those two things go very, very closely and hand in hand when it comes to our subject we're talking about today. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. And and I know that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, as you were talking, flashing back on conversations you and I have had over the years, where you've said just exactly that, to be grateful for even an experience that most people wouldn't think of in terms of gratitude, that when when the wrong thing happens, when a difficult thing happens, when a frightening thing happens, to be able to intentionally and purposefully express gratitude for it because of the lesson that you learn from it or... I can think of so many ways this applies in life, but I know we're talking about horsemanship and I'm kind of thinking through how that works when I'm in a situation where I've had a difficult experience with my horse or maybe, you know, you, you took your horse, you prepared and worked really hard and went to a show and didn't do as well as you'd hoped. How do you apply that there? Well, that's a great scenario. And then I'll follow it up with, with my real life situation, but that's a great, that's a great point to bring out. So you, you, you know, you, you've spent all this time working and you're, you're practicing, you're doing all these things and you go to the horse show and for whatever reason, something just doesn't pan out the way that you had hoped. My question is, is that what did you learn from it? Mm-hmm. And, and always look at things in different ways. You know, I look at things, well, did you learn what to do to be more competitive? Did you learn what the judges are looking for? Did you know, you know, what the livestock was like if you were in the roping events or something like that? In other words, did you learn something from it? Be grateful for that, that you learned something. Or did you learn something not to do, which is just as valuable if you think about it? Yeah. Well, I know not to do this now because that, you know, what if, for, here's a real life example as well. I've known a lot of folks that are so worried about their horses performing well in a, in a class or in a, in a particular event. And they warm their horses up and they rehearse and rehearse and rehearse right before the event. They're out there warming up and warming up, warming up. And then they go to show and the horse is worn out and can't perform to its best because it's just worn out from all the, all the preparation. So we overprepared. So what did you learn from that? Be confident. Know that you know that your preparation that you did at home is great. You can't train on game day anyway. So you just you just learn from that. Don't overtrain. Don't over prepare. Don't over warm up your horses. Don't have so much doubt. And all these things are going to lead into just a moment about even more. But do you remember my real life situation? You know, just a couple of years ago. I wished I could say that something really went wrong in the sense that I did something wrong or that the horse did something wrong. But sometimes when you're working with your horses, oftentimes because they're big animals, sometimes even when everything goes right, or sometimes in my case, everything went too right. The horse did too good, but it went, it did so good. In fact, that it overperformed its capabilities. And what I was referring to was, is that I was working on sliding stops that day on this little particular 
Philly. And she slid all right. She just slid so far that her back feet got too far up underneath her. And she came over backwards on top of me. And so people ask me a hundred times, you know, well, how did you adjust? Did it make you afraid after that? How did you feel about getting back in the saddle? And the weird thing was, is that I wished I could say that I really learned something from that experience itself. But there wasn't really anything dramatic that happened that I could learn from that particular experience other than maybe I should have bailed out of the saddle. And I sometimes think that's a good and a bad thing. Sometimes, well, honestly, I've never bailed out on a horse. And the two times that I haven't, both times something bad happened to me. <laughs> but, it, but it was good for the horse that I didn't, but it, but it ended up hurting me. But that's just the kind of the way, I, the, the way I am. I did the same thing when I was playing football. I never bailed out of a situation. I stuck in it and it just you know, worked out. But in this particular case, I ended up on the, on the bottom side. But long term, Rather than being fearful and angry and upset that I was hurt and I couldn't ride anymore and I you know, was laid up for several days and, and it took me literally weeks to get back in the saddle, rather than concentrating on that, I kept searching for ways that I was going to teach people about my experience. How can I use this to help other people? Because I know lots of other people go through this. And then I was anxious to see, well, how am I going to react when I do get to ride again? Because I want to be able to share that experience with other people. You see, so oftentimes it's just how we choose to look at things, whether or not an experience is something we can be grateful for or that we can be regretful of. And let's face it, when you've got a choice between those, let's choose Let's choose the better, right? Let's choose the one that's a bit more positive. Yeah, and I mean, the fact is, in any situation, I, I really believe that no matter what the situation is, whether in horsemanship or in life, no matter how crummy your circumstances might be, there is always something to be grateful for, even if it's just, you know, you're still breathing. And, you know, right. the, the old every day above ground is a good one kind yes. of thing. And so, yeah, for me, looking from the outside in and the situation, what happened with you, it's hard to imagine being grateful for such a kind of catastrophic accident. And yet I know you were, you were grateful that you weren't hurt worse than you were. You grateful that the horse wasn't hurt. There really were, and you did by example show that there were lots of things to be grateful for. Not that the accident happened, but there, there is, there are things in that situation. And as you just said, a learning experience, a tool that you can use to help teach other people. So... Right. Well, another thing I want to really emphasize, too, is that whenever something like that does happen, you kind of get through those first two. You learn to forgive a situation, then you're grateful for the situation. The other thing is we have to learn to trust ourselves, and that's trust our gut feeling, that's trust our abilities, trust our thoughts, trust the things that are around us that that we are okay and everything's okay. Learn to trust yourself. Because you think about it, if we don't really trust ourselves, you know, for example, our producer, John, and I were talking right before we began to record today. We were talking about, oh, an experience that I'd had, uh, my, my one and only time to ever go gambling on, on the horse races. I mean, and I, and I, I bet on a horse because I'm not a gambler by any stretch of imaginations because I don't trust myself in that area. <laughs> I don't know enough about it. To, to trust myself in that area. So as a result, if as doubtful as I am about my ability to gamble, then why would anybody have confidence in me when it comes to gambling and especially on racehorses, right? So in order for other people to trust you, and in this case, we're going to be speaking more specifically about our horses, in order for our horses to trust us, we've got to trust ourselves. 
And how do you do that? You do that by being very confident in the things that you're doing. You you learn to forgive those bad situations. You learn to be grateful for the situations as they as they come about. You learn to trust that you've prepared. You've got yourself ready because you're mentally prepared because of the forgiveness, because of the gratitude, because of the other things that you're doing. You learn to trust your feelings and you learn to trust yourself. And you learn to, when, when you begin to trust yourself, you begin to walk around, whether the people realize it or not, they begin to walk around with a whole different aura around them. They, they, they just look confident. And just imagine, like, have you ever just been sitting in a restaurant or sitting in a building and you just started scanning the room and you can just pick out people just in their posture alone who are very confident? Mm-hmm. And that's because they have a certain amount of trust. And the sad thing is that person may not have a clue where they're going, but because they have that aura around them or whatever, that feeling that they're very trustworthy, before you know it, they could be going the wrong direction. They got 10 people following them around. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's because they look like they know where they're going. I mean, I've even done stuff where I've gone into rodeos and I didn't have a ticket or something. And I'm thinking, well, just never mind. Just walk right past these guys. I can know where we're going. You know, you've heard me express that too, like in fake it till you make it. But, you know, I just trusted my ability to look like I knew what I was doing good enough that nobody questioned it. Well, in this case, let's think about our horses. We've got to trust ourselves and trust our decisions, trust our experiences, trust the things that we've got going on around us and trust ourselves to the point to where our horses will trust us as well. Which means then before we ask our horses to do anything, we've got to be very confident in what we're asking so that the horse will be more willing to follow us. I mean, after all, if we're the leaders, we want those guys to follow us. We want they, and I don't necessarily mean just walk in behind us. I just mean follow our lead, whatever it is that we're going to ask the horse to do. Well, so how do you, you know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about my experiences with Fair Play, the, the young Arabian mare that you trained right. for me. And, you know, what a, she was just, she was a pretty horse and I, I, I loved the horse. I loved the idea of the horse, but I had very little confidence in myself and she very much picked up on that. And so how do you, and as I was thinking about that, I'm thinking, how do you help someone who maybe doesn't have that confidence in their abilities how do you help them to learn to trust themselves? You can't just say, well, just trust yourself and go because A, it's not something you can just decide to have. And B, you know, there's a line between self-confidence and foolhardiness that some people will get pushed over pretty easily. So, how, But how do you, starting with a person that maybe really wants to have that leadership role with their horse, but they don't have confidence in themselves? Well, we're we're reliving that right now at the ranch. For example, I mean, in your situation, let's recall what we did in your situation. You had fair play, great-minded little filly. You know, she. I just, I just had a blast with her. I mean, and quite frankly, I'm going to tell the audience. I'm going to make fun of you here, Laura. I could literally get on this filly after just a few weeks of riding. Get on this filly, pretty much drop the reins and tell Laura, "Hey, Laura, I'm going to ride over here." And I would just look that direction, and my posture would, would and like I'd literally, I mean, like I'm coaching a riding lesson here. I would turn my shoulders, turn my hips, and I would focus on the direction I wanted to go. And magically, this little filly would get right in that direction I wanted to travel. In other words, if I was looking at a very specific fence post, that filly would go right toward that fence post. I could lope circles on her, all this really cool stuff. So with that said, you could imagine your frustration when you could see that and think, gosh, dang it, he can do it with nothing and I can't do it with the darn bridle reins. What is the deal? And then I could also understand the horse's frustration, thinking that, okay, wow, you know, he's very direct. I can tell what he wants me to do. I don't know what, what Laura wants me to do. 
And that goes exactly right back to what we were talking about before. So let's look at what we did to resolve that situation. What we did to resolve it was, is we got the two of you separate and I put you on a much, much better trained horse. And we put you on a horse like Scooter, for example, my, my, my ranch gilding. Scooter was, you know, I'm going to have to brag about him a little bit. You know, he'd won like five championships in ranch horse versatility. He's just a phenomenal horse. And, and, but also too, Laura, he'd been ridden since he was right before his two year old birthday. He started being ridden under saddle and he was ridden in, you know, competitively, very well trained for years before you started riding him. So he knew his job. He knew that you could be very subtle with what the things you were doing. And then he would pick up on that. Well, as a result of you riding him, it wasn't about, you having a nice, enjoyable experience on him. I mean, I mean, I know you enjoyed riding him, but it was with him that you could you could learn, oh, when I do this, my horse does this. So you began to learn to gain confidence in your ability to communicate. See, in the beginning, you had, even though Fair Play rode really well with me, and it didn't look like I was doing much, I was very, I was being very deliberate in the things that I was doing with her. And then as a result, she could pick up on that very deliberate delivery of whatever signal I was giving her. But you take somebody that's a little less confident, they don't even know if they're doing it right. So if we look back at how horses learn, the horses learn through the release of pressure, right? So you might apply pressure so that you get maybe the right cue to get going where you want to go. But if you don't have confidence in that, and what if you take off the pressure before you really get what you want? And the horse says, wait, wait, wait a minute, I was right on it. And then all of a sudden you took it away. So now what do you want me to do? So how the horse views that is like, okay, she wants me to do, oh, no, she changed her mind. Oh, not, now she wants me to do that. Oops, she changed her mind again. So after a while, the horses go, heck, I don't know what you want me to do, so I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I guess maybe the lesson to be learned from that, and just for the record, I have forgiven myself and forgiven the horse, and I'm very <laughs> grateful for the experiences I, I had and what I learned that summer. I didn't have the knowledge, the experience, and the or the self-confidence to ride that horse. And like you said, it's not that she was a bad horse. No. I mean, she was a great little horse. It's But that's, that's kind of the epitome of the other thing we throw out there sometimes, that green and green makes black yeah. and blue. If you and Fair Play would have been unassisted, then they would have probably resulted in a wreck somewhere along the line. Yeah, because there would have been so much yeah. bad, yeah, there would have been bad communication going on and one of you would have gotten frustrated, and, and and usually it's the horse that gets frustrated and throws a little fit, and then it, then it turns into a train wreck. And so I guess the point then of all of this is, you know, not to tell a story about me and a horse I used to own, but if you are a rider who lacks confidence, you need to have to be matched up with a horse that will help you build confidence. And that's Ab- what Scooter did for me. Absolutely. You want to you work on those skills, whatever those things are that help you gain confidence, like in your case, confidence in your seat, confidence in your ability to use your hands properly, confidence to use your feet properly. In other words, confidence to do the whatever it needs to be done to get done what you want done. I know that sounds kind of silly, but, but you need to do whatever it takes to get done what you want done so that you begin to trust yourself. You trust the fact that you're communicating properly and clearly. And then as a result, the horse can very easily follow it is follow in just what you want you know, what you want the horse to do. So again, we just have to trust ourselves in that area. The other thing is that once we develop trust and we know we're doing it, I want to have, I want to encourage people to develop courage. If you know what you're doing and you trust yourself, then do it. Don't deprive yourself of the experience. Have the courage to get off the bleachers and in the arena and get busy riding, get busy doing 
what you want to do with your horses. And I know it takes courage. It really does. But you, what you want to do to not just have the courage, you also want to have a little bit of common sense with that. Keep things simple for you so that you don't start all over again. In other words, had the courage to get out there and get the experience, but don't go gung ho. You know, let's not just go, go from riding the rail to riding the bull. You know, let's go from riding the rail to riding the pony, riding the horse, and then do, <laughs> in other words, let's do things in stages so that we can maintain that trust in ourselves and we can begin to push that envelope of courage just a little bit more, but do it in just stages. And the other thing is too, is that to help with that courage, have the courage to do it. And then you want to set yourself up to be successful. And you've heard me say this before, Lar, too, is that whenever you set yourself up to be successful and you're pretty confident that everything is set up, then just trust the fact that you can just dare your horse to be good. Dare your horse to be good and then have the courage to keep moving forward. And when I say keep moving forward, I'm not necessarily just talking about riding in a straight line. Go for a nice leisurely ride one day and then, then expand your territory. In other words, do something a little bit more complicated over time. Maybe go for a nice leisurely ride at a trot and then graduate up to a canter. If you think about in your situation, Laura, when you were riding with us, we took a while before we got you to cantering, but we really wanted you to develop a tremendous amount of confidence at the walk, the trot, and then the canter. And I'll never forget how ecstatic you were when we, when we first cantered. But if you think about it from day one till that day, it took a tremendous amount of planning. It took a, and a, and on your part, it took a tremendous amount of courage for you to eventually try it. And then we have to ask ourselves, wow, was the carrot into that stick worth it? And I would say by the look on your face, yes, it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, I hope that's encouraging to listeners who may be, you know, struggling. You, you have such a broad spectrum of listeners. And so lots of them maybe are well advanced in their horsemanship and are thinking, well, what's the big deal about, you know, loping on a horse? But I'll bet you there's there are other listeners who are like me who I want to do that. I did that when I was a kid, like you talked about at the beginning. I remember how much fun that was. Now I'm an adult. I have the money and the time to have a horse, and I wanted I want to feel that way again. But I'm terrified of getting hurt. And to me, the lesson in all of that, and and really all these things you're talking about, is you can get there from here. If you take those small steps and, and frankly, if you find someone, you know, a coach, an instructor who can, who is wise enough and knowledgeable enough to guide you on that way, but it certainly can be done and it does take some courage. I mean, these are big animals. Right. Yes. And we need to take our time, you know, I mean, enjoy the journey. I mean, that's what I always tell everybody. Don't be in such a rush. Enjoy the journey. Unless you're chasing a fatuity, don't worry about the time clock. It's your time. You know, you don't, you don't have to be in a big rush. Lastly, Laura, I want to say, too, that whenever we go through all those other stages, I want folks to have develop some faith in themselves, faith in their horses, faith in whatever it is that they're going to be doing. And you've heard me talk about before. I'm not so sure that I like the word hope. And in fact, before this podcast, I looked up hope again and just to make sure that I wasn't, you know, judging the word incorrectly. But I, I tell people all the time, you know, I, I know we use the word hope a lot, but whenever I whenever I hear it, and especially when it's related to horses, it's usually not good. It's usually something like, well, I hope she loads in the trailer, or I hope the horse doesn't buck today, or I hope he's not going to be hard to catch, or I hope he stands still when I try to get on. And you see, I want people to look at that just a little bit differently. 
Instead of looking at it that hoping those things will happen, have faith that they will happen. Teach your horse to stand still while mounting. Because see, if you don't, and then the horse becomes a train wreck while you're trying to get on, you have an accident, he steps on your toe, he kicks you, whatever the case may be. I got to ask, well, no wonder you were hoping so much. The horse wasn't prepared and neither were you. So we need to go through all those other stages again so that we don't have to depend on that word hope, that we have faith that all the cards were laid out in such a way that we're going to be successful. Whenever I think about a horse loading into a trailer, I never hope that he's going to load. I know that he's going to load because either he knows how or he doesn't know how. If he knows how, great. He's going to get on there probably just in a matter of seconds or minutes. If he doesn't know how, I get an opportunity to teach him. And then we both win. I get to practice being a better horseman, and the horse gets to learn a new skill that's going to be invaluable to him throughout his career. Um, Whenever I'm thinking about a horse that may buck, I don't hope that he's not going to buck. If he does, I'm going to think about, well, what is the reason for that? And what can I do to fix it? Because, see, in order to affect a cure, I first have to find the cause. Well, if I can find the cause that he bucked, whether it was lack of preparation or some sort of discomfort, I go fix that. And before you know it, I'm no longer hoping. I have faith that he's going to do the right thing. So when I tell people to have faith in their self, I don't want to necessarily discourage them using their word, I guess, or you know, using the hope word. It just depends on how they look at it. But there's so many times that I just I want to replace that word hope with faith. Just have faith that it's going to work out just the way you want it to and set things up so that it will work that way. And when you do set things up and, and you, you take all the necessary steps, and you go through those other things we just talked about, the forgiveness, the gratitude, the trust, the courage. It's so much easier when you go through all of those things to have faith in the outcome. Would it be too um, too strange for me to say that as you were saying that, I, it reminded me of a Bible verse that says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Yeah. You know, faith is the reality that, that gives substance to hope. Yeah. I like that. like that. Really appreciate you sharing that one, Laura. The other thing, and I'm just going to close with this, and we can kind of get on with some other cool stuff, but obviously all of these things are influenced by our attitude and our perspective on things. You know, we can always look back on things and, and look back at them negatively, or we can look at things and be very grateful for those things. And it's always just a choice. No matter what, you know, I, I learned a while back, and I just love this, that The only thing in this world that we have absolute control over is our thoughts. So if we think of something negative and we catch ourselves thinking negatively about a situation, we, we, you know, you think about something, every time you think about it, it just makes you sick. And I've heard people say, well, man, I just can't forget about it. I just can't let that go. Then every time you think about it, say, thank you so much for that reminder. You see where I'm going with that one, Laura? In other words, thank you for that reminder of that bad experience, because at that moment in time that you had that negative thought, that gives you a chance to change your thought to something positive. And then every time that happens, and believe me, sometimes depending on how traumatic a situation may be for us, every time you have that negative thought and you think of it, oop, thanks for the reminder, and you change that thought to something very positive, in the beginning, you might be doing that every five seconds. I mean, I used to be so darn angry at my stepdad because of the, the you know, because of the stuff that he put my mom and I through. And once I learned that I that every time I thought of him and every time I thought negatively of him, I would change that and and say thank you instead. And then five minutes later, I'd find another situation that would remind me of it again. And I'd think negative of it again, and I'd say, "Man, all right, you're right. Thanks." And I'd move forward again. And I just kept saying thank you for that reminder, and I would change the thought 
to something positive. Rather than thinking about the butt whoopings I would get, I would think, well, thank God he exposed me to all those darn horses. That is fun. I really learned a lot. Every time I'd think about, you know, him being mean to my mom or whatever, I would, I would change that thought. So, well, thanks for the reminder. And I would think about how many times that I had opportunity to ride horses or in, in because of him. Or I would think about the other trainers that he introduced me to over the years. So in other words, every time I thought something negative about that fella, I would change that to something positive. So really, those 12 years of what I thought were H-E-double-L at the time really turned out to be very formidable years in developing me as a man later. So I look back at it now and says, man, I'm extremely grateful for that time because it wasn't for that time. I wouldn't be the guy that I am today. So I always tell everybody, you know, it's just, it's all in how you choose to think about it. Those are the only things we can control are our thoughts. So whenever we find one of them sneaking in, whenever we find that fear coming in, or when we find that anger coming in, or when we find that, that, uh, that disgruntled feeling coming in, or when we have a lack of trust in ourselves coming in, whenever we feel like we lack courage, stop, rethink that, be grateful for that moment, change the thought to something positive, think about something that you want to do, think about something that you want to be, change that thought, and before you know it, that just changes your whole habit in life, everything about you changes once you decide to change your thought process. Yeah, I love that. That's, uh, you know, it's so simple. It's not easy, right. but it's so simple. It really is that we can control what thoughts we entertain in our head. And it's not a question of, you know, stifling it or pretending you're not thinking it or feeling it, but it's just t- taking that moment to acknowledge, yes, that happened. Yes, I felt that way. I feel that way. I see that feeling, but I'm going to choose to think of it in a different way now. Because right. it doesn't serve me to to think of uh, to be angry or to be afraid or or whatever. So I mean, we could we could go forever on that topic because uh, you know I've talked elsewhere about how how important our frame of mind and the thoughts we choose to think are. But I love that. Thank you. You bet. Well, so let's ask ourselves again. So, what does forgiveness, gratitude, trust, courage, and faith have to do with our horsemanship? Everything. Because like I've always said, Laura, horsemanship is an opportunity to practice humanship. Every time we have an experience or every time we want to experience with our horses, if we just kind of go back and think about those things again and, we, and we're, we're grateful for them, we're, we, well, we forgive things, we're, we're grateful for them, we, we learn to trust ourselves, we learn to step out a little bit and have a little bit of courage, we learn to have faith in that. Before you know it, our whole attitude toward the way we handle ourselves and handle our horses completely changes. And believe me, your horses will see it and they'll feel it and your experience with them will become better each and every day. And the people around you will be happier too. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, uh, that's excellent. So I would imagine that maybe listeners have some thoughts on this. And I know, Van, you'd love to hear from them on that. So for those listening to this episode, take a moment and, and share your thoughts on what Van had to say here either in the show notes for this episode on the website at vanhargis.com. Go to the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page and post your thoughts there or shoot an email to Van at info at vanhargis.com. Any of those ways uh, you can reach out to Van and share your thoughts. What, uh, you know, how do you feel about uh, being able to forgive the, your past experiences with, with horses or life in general, being thankful for them and learning to trust yourself and your horse and to move forward with courage and faith? I know Van would love to hear from you on that. 
You bet. So, and you know, with that said, too, I really do counsel with a lot of people about problems that they're having or their experience with their horses. So really, folks, we really do want to open that line of communication up. Just send us an email. We'll usually get back to you very, very quickly. I mean, I'm usually back with folks within a, within a day, Laura, in most cases, because I, I really care about the folks enough that I will make the time to do it. So, you know, we're not just saying that, folks. I mean, we really do encourage you guys to reach out to us because bottom line, we want your experiences with your horses and in your life to just be so much better. So don't, don't hesitate to reach out to us. And I would say as well, for if you're, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, I would like to learn these skills. I would like to be better at doing these things and have these better experiences with my horses, but I need a little help. Van is available to, to come to your location and do clinics, do, you know, training there. So if you are interested in that sort of thing, working with Van in person to develop your trust in yourself and your courage and the skills you need to apply these things to your horsemanship. Again, you can email at info at vanhargis.com and see what the schedule will accommodate. So, and speaking of schedule, Van, I know you have a ton of stuff coming up this spring that you're going to be doing. What are, what are some of the places where people might be able to find you out on the road? Laura, rather than go through everything, I'm just going to tell everybody, be sure and look for us. We're going to be the third week of March, coming up fairly quickly now. We're going to be in Albany, Oregon for the uh, Northwest Horse Fair and Expo. Uh, we, we will be doing mini clinics for that. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, we're almost booked for every one of the mini clinics that we're doing at that expo. So if you want to get, uh, want to get me information on how to join me for a ride in one of those clinics uh, at that particular expo, do so pretty quickly. You can either do it by, by contacting us on our website or going to uh, the Northwest Horse Fair uh, and Expo website. And again, that's going to be in Albany, Oregon. Uh, Laura, there's several other things, but rather than go through the entire list, not that I'm copping out, but I just really want folks to to go visit our website and look at our schedule because our, our schedule is going to change a lot during this spring. This is always our busy time of year, the early part of spring, first part of summer. But I do want to give a shout out to the folks that are going to be in New York. This is going to be our first time to go back to the Northeast I guess probably four, five, six years or longer. So we are going to be in New York, in Rhinebeck, New York, in fact, to do a clinic out there the end of June. It's a matter of fact, I think it's going to be the third weekend of June. We're going to be lingering around there for about a week. But that third weekend of June, we're going to do a clinic. And I'm already understanding that suckers are almost full already, folks. So um, we will take a, a as many spectators and auditors that would like to come out. But if you want to ride, you got to do it pretty quickly. And again, you can sign up for that clinic on our website as well, Laura. So there you go. Visit the website at vanhargis.com. You'll find all kinds of good stuff there. Van schedule, a place to sign up for these various clinics and events. Visit the store there. Sign up for the Top Hand Club. We've talked about that a lot in recent episodes, and I know we'll talk about it again. But everything you need to know about what Van's up to and what Van Hargis Horsemanship can offer you in your horsemanship journey, it's all found there on the website at vanhargis.com. I think that's, for now, that's it. We've certainly chattered on a lot here, Van. Anything else you want to say to them before we wrap up? I just want to say thank you to everybody because, Laura, quite frankly, if you'd have told me, what, a year ago that we were going to be at episode 40, I would have, yeah, right. Because I, honestly, folks, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for Laura. It, I, she literally had to talk me into it, and I'm so ecstatic that you did, Laura. Thank you so much for your persistence. And thank you to everybody for listening, and, uh, and thanks for all the encouraging words because we're going to keep bringing it to you. 
Laura, this is episode 40 that's in the can. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> so with that said, I just want to tell everybody, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, remember, it's your ride, your trail, your journey. So ride over stride. <laughs>